Uh, girl, are you happy to know that Chrissy Teigen likes this podcast too? <laughs> Listen, I don't enjoy being second place very much, but to yeah. Chrissy Teigen, I will take second place. Second place is first loser. Do you, do you have anything you want to say directly to her while you have her undivided attention? Chrissy Teigen, I have loved you and your cheekbones. <laughs> but girl, your cheekbones, I just stare at them. Also, how's your skin so smooth? Okay. It's just All right. silky. Moving on, moving okay. on. Okay, okay, sorry. I love you so much, I love you so much. <laughs> Patricia. You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen and Marsh and I talk about missing people. Ellen and Marsh. Ellen and Marsh. <laughs> Did I say Ellen and Marsh? Yeah, Ellen and Marsh. Yeah, I'm not here anymore. This podcast is currently hosted by Ellen and Marsh. Yep. They're a lovely <laughs> lesbian couple. <laughs> Um, you guys, join the Patreon. Look, you know you want more Ellen and me. I'm going to tell you what you get. You get three full ad-free bonus episodes every month, plus our Friday Night Live in podcast form. At the $10 level, you get all that, plus all of these episodes you're listening to right now, ad-free. And the funnest thing we get to do all week, which is you get to be in our close friend circle on Instagram. We do all these kinds of stories and bonus pictures behind the scenes. We make fun of each other. Anything else? Uh-huh. I-, I didn't know I was still here. I okay. just... You know, sometimes you just take the reins and I go out for a smoke break. I can't. I don't smoke. No, it's awesome. We love connecting with you more. Apparently, people wanted more more Instagram content. So I'm here to give it. You know what I mean? Oh, I was just going to say, tell me about the Facebook and the Instagram. And you can come to our Facebook group where we share our stories about the episode. We talk about everything in there. Honestly, it's like 15,000 of your best friends. It is a time and a half. It's true. It is the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod, where every Friday night we go live at 6 p.m. Eastern. We talk about the episode. Patrick has a cocktail. He has enough cocktails for all of you. Let's do it. I'll tell you what. Last week, it got kind of heated, you guys. You had to be there to see it or be on the Patreon to get it podcast for my Monday, but shit got kind of real in the you know, Friday Night Live. Girl. It got a little real. Maybe I cried. I twenty twenty one has been the year of Ellen crying a lot. Yes, I think I think I've, I think I hit a wall at some point. <laughs> All right, you guys, Disappeared Season 3 finale, girl. We're here. I can't believe we're here. Season 3, Episode 13, Silent Night, tells the story of the disappearance of Patty Vaughn. When a dedicated mother's minivan is found abandoned on the side of the road, panic ensues. She had been gone for more than 24 hours. I kept thinking I was going to look in one of those drainage ditches and Patty was going to be in there. Investigators soon find hints of foul play. There was blood found in the van. And then, a look into Patty Vaughn's past reveals a complicated love triangle. They had a huge fight. She got angry and got in her van and left. Could problems in a relationship have led to murder? I don't think anybody else has the motive or the opportunity. You just can't focus on one person. We are going to solve this case. 
You guys, look, I got two things to say right up top, girl. You ready? Yeah, go for it. We are in Texas for Christmas. It looks so fun and down home. I know this because I do the merch. We have a lot of listeners in Texas. Hey, Texas. Hey, but then I have my next one. I said, oh, now we're going to church. (laughs) So we are near San Antonio, Texas, and this is where we get introduced to the beautiful mother of three, Patty Vaughn, as she is singing in the church choir to Lutheran Church. And it's something she loves very much. Look, I got to tell you, I was an altar boy for years. I pretend like I don't like church. I actually really liked church. I was an altar boy. I super loved it. I loved Midnight Mass for the Catholics out there. What's up, Midnight Mass? Like the one time a year you all actually go to church. I mean, we don't have to bring up the man in the mirror, but I did used to love singing in our church choir. If you haven't heard my man in the mirror story, it's on one of those episodes, but I love the show of it. I got to tell you, and I'm not being creepy, but I had such a crush on our priest. His name was Father Heal Me. No, it was Father Father Healy, and we used to call him Father Heal Me. If you... Could see my face right now. Patty has probably been singing before she talked. She had just a very sweet, soothing voice, almost like a songbird. She really enjoyed it. You know, they just created such great music together. Patty was very proud of her music group. Singing with them was one of the things in life that gave her peace. But we learned that Patty always loved singing. It appeared like she was most comfortable on stage. It was what she loved most of the world. We get this home video of her singing in church. And honestly, she genuinely looks so happy. It's true. And she just looks at home. And it just seemed like it brought her so much joy. So this is Christmas service, right? No, it's Christmas Eve. But it's like the Christmas service. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm just saying for timeline purposes. Okay, so it's Christmas Eve. Uh... (laughs) Jerry Ray Vaughn. So we're going to refer to Jerry Ray Vaughn through most of this as JR. They refer to him as JR or Jerry. Anyway, he's in the audience. I don't I don't even know what else to call it. He's in the pews. You call it an audience. They're on the stage. He's in the audience. Yeah, he's in the audience with the three kids at the service. So this is where we learn that even though they're separated, they're committed to keeping their relationship amicable. They're all at church together. So basically, in addition to singing, it's obvious that Patty also has a knack for acting because she's clearly <laughs> acting like he's not a son of a bitch and she wants to scratch his eyes out, which I can relate to because that's what co-parenting is. (laughs) You've been through it, girl. You've been through it. I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyway. But once the service ends, Patty and JR, who have been separated for over two months, part ways. Patty and the children head over to her aunt's house, where they will meet up with Patty's old flame, a man named Gary, while JR drives back to his apartment in San Antonio. So, We learn that after the service, JR and Patty go their separate ways. Patty takes the kids to her aunt's house where she's going to meet up with someone that she used to date. So she used to date this man named Gary and they've sort of rekindled their relationship. And she's going to her aunt Jean's with Gary and JR, her soon to be ex-husband, is going to head back to his apartment in San Antonio. But then JR, the ex-husband or the soon to be ex-husband or whatever, is going to spend the next day with Patty at her house. All I know is that Patty has a very full dance card this Christmas weekend. Patty's got a lot going on, girl. Yeah, I got a lot to say about it. <laughs> we need to have some kind of entrance music whenever we meet the down bitch of the episode. We have it. We used it for Crystal, although I got educated that Crystal wasn't a down bitch in the Tony Lee Sharpless episode. Yeah, but Auntie Jean. Yeah, she is totally. <laughs> Auntie Jean is getting some entrance music. Ready? Go. Ready? <laughs> Go. 
It was going to be a wonderful Christmas because we were going to have Patty and Gary and the children. Here's the thing about Auntie Jean. Auntie Jean is that kind of awesome down bitch who speaks very quietly because everything she says is important and correct and she does not need to raise her goddamn voice. No, there's two things she's not here for. Yeah. JR and your shit. Those are the two things she is not here for in this episode. If your mom and her were neighbors, they would have swapped wooden spoons for the beating of the children. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And they still would have had this quaff chair. Which brings okay. me, let's just take a minute. Let's take a minute. You got- let's take a minute. Let's talk about it. The hair in this episode is unreal. You, It is unreal. Yeah. So the children might not know about a thing called perms. Oh my God. Which is short for? Permanent. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. if you knew then what we know now, I feel like uh, you got anything that's a little, a little more casual on the commitment level? Yeah. <laughs> These perms in this episode, y'all, are vast. (laughs) I got to tell you, when I was a little kid, I don't know if you know about reverse perms, but if you had like kinky hair like I did in the front and you really wanted that dead straight River Phoenix hair, you could take a perm that was meant to curl your hair. Instead of curling it, you just like comb it out straight. Right. Which is what I did. And then all of my hair fell out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I had a lot of looks in my middle and in yeah. my middle and high school days. Listen, we were all trying our best. The kids today are not trying their best, okay? <laughs> if you didn't live through T9 texting, <laughs> you don't get a say, okay? Off you fuck now, children. You're in my world. Buckle up. Sorry, where did that come from? I have no idea. I don't know. I like it. I asked you if you could take the lead on this app and you're really pulling through. I'm proud of you, girl. Okay. So anyway, we go back. We get a little backstory into Patty and Gary's relationship. So Remember, Gary is not her husband. It is sort of an old flame that we're going to learn about. Patty Vaughn and Gary's relationship has a long and complicated history. Patty was 18 years old in 1982 when she met Gary. She fell in love with the young Texan after moving to San Antonio with her family. They had mad, crazy love for each other back then. They had quite a serious relationship And I think had circumstances been different, I think they probably would have stayed together. So when Patty was 18, she met and fell in love with Gary. They have this crazy, crazy love story. Did you notice what they were doing? The two reenactment actors, what they were doing? No, you're really invested in this. You guys, I will say this is another one of those episodes we've had to watch three times due to scheduling conflicts. <laughs> this, it's, it's mostly Chrissy Teigen's fault. If you're listening, girl, it's fine. No one's <laughs> mad at you. The reenactment actors are sitting holding hands over pints of beer. Yeah, what's wrong with that? They're 18 years old. (laughs) If anyone can fill me in as to the legal drinking age in Texas, is it not 21? Hang on a second. You are fine with a fire chief growing 13 acres of marijuana, but you're not okay with these two 18-year-olds having a sensible one drink at a bar? Well, I said what I said, number one. (laughs) Number two... No, at a bar, it's okay if they're like slipping natty lights in their mom's backyard, but they're actually out at a bar. Did you say natty lights? You are trash. You are, yeah, you are I'm trash. Aware. <laughs> Whatever. I, I can't believe you didn't notice that. So anyway, you know, they fall in love hardcore as you do when you're 18 years old. And then we find out that Gary's ex-girlfriend comes a knocking yeah. and was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, great. I'm dating this girl, Patty. Yeah. What's up? And she's like, sup, I'm pregnant. A few months after they had been seeing each other, his ex-girlfriend came to him and told him that she was pregnant with his child. And out of a sense of obligation, he broke it off with Patty. Patty was devastated. Just totally devastated. Patty 
was devastated and heartbroken. And Aunt Jean says she was trying to keep herself busy. And I was like, honey, no matter how busy you keep yourself, you know, those five stages of griefs are going to creep up on oh, you, ladies. Say go. them with me. Denial, <laughs> anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't committed them to memory, have you even really lived? You know what I mean? (laughs) Have you even really lived? I'm so damaged. So she's working at a hamburger restaurant and she's keeping herself busy there. But this is where she meets JR. He's older than her. They are dating for a long time. They get married May 18th, 1985. He's wearing a bolo tie. Don't get me fucking started. Texas, I love you. Truly, truly, I love you, Texas. Someone's got to fucking explain these bolo ties to me. And you're going to wear it to your wedding? I mean, y'all, let's call it what it is. The 80s wasn't what we would call an elegant decade, right? So they get married in 1985. They've got this construction business. Keep that in mind. That becomes important later. (laughs) They have three kids. It does. You guys, do you think people only go into construction to have a place to bury their wives after they kill them? Absolutely. Okay. And like, just another side note, I could watch people pour cement for the rest of my life. It is really intoxicating. It really is. Yeah. You guys, there is so much video of people pouring cement, watching the cement come out of these tubes, yeah. like in liquid. I could watch that for, a, a, I could watch it for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Take one, one of those edibles you talk about, just stare at my computer. <laughs> so it's 1996 now. And Patty just realizes that she's just super unhappy in her life and her marriage. And we meet her sweet sister, Jeannie. She's being torn apart inside and everything was falling apart. But my brother best described it as her being a one-legged duck, smooth and graceful on top, but paddling like hell underneath. Finally, on Columbus Day weekend, 1996, Patty and Jerry Ray decided it was time to separate and reevaluate their marriage. Because we're told that it's in Columbus Day 1996 that they break up, I made this note that Patty was like, if I have to spend one more Columbus Day with this guy, I'm not going to, I cannot spend another Columbus Day with him. Not one more. I can't do it. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. I'll give you Abba Day. I'll give you Abba Day. I just wrote, Patty loves Columbus Day. Yeah. She's not letting anybody ruin that weekend for her. Not this guy, not nobody. <laughs> so JR moves out of the family home. He gets an apartment in San Antonio. Patty and JR decide that Patty is going to stay at the house with the kids. But then, girl, Patty gets back in touch with Gary. And then, just weeks after the separation, Patty confided in her cousin Kathy that she had been communicating again with the man who had captured her heart so many years earlier. She had told me that Gary had divorced and that she was really excited because they were talking again. We're back to the present. And guess what, you guys? Gary's divorced that wife he never wanted to marry. Yeah. (laughs) Good idea, Gary. You know, the whole thing is, Gary, you didn't have to marry her. You just, all you got to do is be there for the kid. Like, that's also the right thing. Yes. Says two people with, like, no dads to speak of. (laughs) (laughs) We are not the best judge of dad characters. So we're at Tuesday, December 24th, 1996. We're back where we started. She's at the church singing like a songbird. Right. So they're post-church and they show up at Aunt Jean's house and Patty brought her sort of old flame, new flame Gary and she felt super embarrassed and trepidatious because she technically was still married and I was like, sis, that's paperwork. Okay? (laughs) Paperwork takes a minute. We're back to Ellen not pronouncing the second T in that, you guys. That's how that's how you know it's serious. Get on with your life, Patty. Go to being happy. We're only given a certain amount of time on this here planet. Go off and do the things that serve you. Get back to living, girl. No one is judging you. We are told from Patty's family that Patty walks around knowing she's dating Gary, wondering if people are going to think she's a bad mother, if she's I being know. immoral. And I just said like, okay, yes, I realized that I was raised by a bunch of indigo girl 
tree-loving, tree-hugging lesbians. I get that my experience is different than Patty's in Texas. Right. But what in the ever-loving fuck? I cannot imagine a life like this. I know. I cannot imagine a world where you get out of a marriage where you're not happy. You reconnect with a guy that you were, by the way, in love with right before you married this guy. Right. And you're happy again. Like, you just have to carry around this, like, ridiculous scarlet letter guilt. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't say pull over because I just listen when you monologue uh-huh. instead of judging. So I'm going to be better about that. I'm going to be better about that. Um, as long as you recognize what you've done wrong here. Thank you so much. I, don't, so I honestly welcome. don't know what I would do without mm. you trying to make me a better person on the daily. Helping you realize your flaws every day is one of the greatest gifts you've given to this friendship. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk off mic. Um, Sometimes, anyway. look, I'm sorry. We're back to you looking like, like... It's the way your hair is that I cannot see the back of it. And it just looks like you're wearing a dude wig. <laughs> it just looks like a dude wig. <laughs> Sometimes I look at you oh, in no. the same way you no, look at me. No, don't say it out loud. Don't say it And I loud. think to myself, huh, God did take a day of rest. <laughs> look at that. Right there. Oh, Aww. you mean that. You are coming for me like a man. <laughs> I've got to think of something real fast. Uh-huh. All right. Okay, here we go. So anyway, they say that they say goodbye. They had a great Christmas night. They hugged goodbye, and it was no different than any other night. And I know I say this all the time, but it hits me like a ton of bricks every time. You know, you never know when that hug is going to be your last one. And that's what she said. It was the last time we saw her. I will tell you that I've given you at least one or two hugs that I was like, this is definitely the last one. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, you guys. A girl this can is- dream. A girl <laughs> can dream. Okay. So... All right. So the next day, Jr. is going to go to the family home at about 11 o'clock. So Jr. is the husband, the separated husband. Yes. I think they were all paying attention. I don't know if you were, but I think everyone is following that storyline. Okay. Now you you rang my buzzer. Now you rang my buzzer and I'm here. Okay. He was to arrive early in the morning, do the Santa Claus thing with the children. And then they were having dinner with the Vaughn family at their home later in the afternoon. If all goes well, Patty and her boyfriend Gary will spend time together Christmas night after the Vaughn clan leaves to go home. Her aunt will take care of her children. She had made plans later to go to a movie and we were supposed to babysit the children. But Christmas Day comes and goes and Patty actually never takes the kids to Auntie Jean's and nobody hears from them otherwise. And the cousins were like, well, you know, they probably like got tied up at dinner and it's not that big of a deal. You know, they probably... What year is this again? 96. Okay, so it's before cell phones. So that makes sense. Yeah. Because nowadays, like if you had plans and like you didn't no call, no show, no text, that would be alarming. But this was not the case back then. And maybe, yes. So they might have called. They're like, ah, they're having fun. They're playing. They lost track of time, yes. So now it's the next day, right? It's Thursday, September 26th, and we're with Patty's cousin, Kathy. And Kathy says that JR, you know, the soon-to-be ex-husband, calls her at 7.14 p.m. and immediately asks her what time it is. Yeah, I was like, bitch, time to get a watch. You called me. What? Who does that? JR tells her no one has heard from Patty for over 24 hours. He said that she had been gone since the previous day that they had had a huge fight, that they had been fighting off and on all day Christmas Day, and that she got angry and got in her van and left. She had been gone for more than 24 hours, 
And we were just now finding out about it. And I was like, I need to know that nobody believes this. That right away, Cousin Kathy is calling bullshit on this whole situation. Right? Right. And yes. And down bitch Auntie Jean's like, so hold up one second. She's been gone for 24 hours and we are now just hearing about this. Yeah. I was like, the fuck? Aunt Jean is not here for his bullshit. I would like to point out the one sad little Christmas tree that ID sprung for oh to my show God, us I know. that it's I Christmas. Know. <laughs> like they were like, all right, we're going to shoot this scene where she leaves the house. But it's Christmas. Some, can someone go to the dollar store and get the saddest little Christmas tree you ever did see just to prove the passage of time and that we're at Christmas? It is the saddest I know. I know. little thing. I know. I was like, don't even. Just don't. If you're not going to do it, if you're not going to throw up some garland and some lights, don't do it. Don't do it. I know. I know. I know. And then fucking JR tells Kathy, oh, by the way, girl, I know no one's seen or heard from her in 24 hours, but you should also know that her car, her minivan, was found 17 miles from home, abandoned on the side of the road with a flat fucking tire and Christopher calls it bewildering news I was like Christopher that's really fucking scary news that's a bewildering okay so I just have like my next note is the minivan story colon yeah Christopher girl you think that's bewildering get a cocktail and pull the fuck over because this gets crazy girl 1 30 p.m the day after Christmas the way this minivan was found was Patty's boss was driving back to work. So Patty's boss had been to work, like working all day, goes to lunch, is driving back and sees Patty's minivan on the side of the road and immediately knows that it's hers. Now, first of all, it's the day after Christmas, boss. Can we take a day? Can we take a day off, girl? God damn it. I mean, clearly I would not have stopped or noticed because I don't stop for others, but yes. Oh my, that's the other thought I had. Patty could be lying under the car and you'd be like, oh, she's probably fine. You guys, (laughs) we have a long history of this podcast of Ellen not giving a fuck about other people on the highway. No. Oh, I just don't notice things. (laughs) So the boss calls JR and is like, girl, your wife isn't at work and her car is on the side of the road. Like, can you come and get it? JR says, no, girl, I'm not going to do that. But if you're so concerned about it, I will meet you halfway with a set of keys so you can handle this shit for me. Why couldn't he come? Oh, Yeah. He couldn't come. He's like, I would actually love to come and handle this. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't because I'm on my way to get a divorce, girl. His plan was to shock Patty into abandoning her relationship with Gary by presenting her with divorce papers. On his way to begin the proceedings, JR met Patty's boss to hand over the keys so the minivan could be moved. Her employer just changed a flat tire, took it to the shop, and it was later found out that, you know, nobody knew where Patty was. He wanted to be a sneaky sneak and present the divorce papers first so that he would be the one to serve her. And I was like, been there, done that, have the souvenir tote bag and water bottle. The thing about the boss is that, like, this boss changes the tire. The boss, like, actually changes the fucking tire and drives the car to wherever it needs to go. I know. And also, I don't know if I would notice your car. Like, I, I barely know I what know. kind of car you drive. You're employed being like, oh, a gray blue Dodge Caravan 1992? Is that Patty Vaughn? Like, what a guy. He changed the fucking tire. No. And it's also like, you know, the reason real reason why he didn't want to meet him at the car, right? Yeah. In my mind, he didn't want to meet him at the car because he killed her, put her body in the car, scrubbed the car clean of all of his fingerprints, any sort of DNA evidence. We're going to learn the car was cleaned out, scrubbed top to bottom of fingerprints. So he doesn't want to get anywhere near the car. Yeah. That's why he's meeting the boss halfway. Yeah. So then Aunt Jean and Cousin Kathy at this point have no idea where she is. They make tons of calls and they track down Gary to 
see if Gary knows anything. Right. And Gary was super like worried. And he was like, I haven't seen her since Christmas Eve. He was totally shocked. He runs to the cousin's house to try and help them. Totally. And like, this is Gary's second chance at love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know. can you imagine you just start dating the person that you really like your soulmate? I know you don't believe in it, girl. But just think for the sake of those of us who have not given up all hope, imagine you start dating your soulmate. And then like two days later, you find out she's missing. Wouldn't that be terrible? Can you just replace the word soulmate with like broccoli or something? Just to replace the word. <laughs> just replace the word. You are too young-ish and still pretty to have given up on soulmates. I have not given up on love. I have given up on soulmates. It's not a thing. We No, we're not. No, absolutely. <laughs> Kathy calls the Bear County Sheriff's Office to file a missing persons report. The family fears Patty might have been abducted after asking the wrong person for help on the side of the road. But since she has not yet been missing for 72 hours, there is not much police can do. She hadn't been missing long enough. You know, her being over the age of 18, she can come and go as she pleases. After several calls, police finally agreed to take a missing persons report over the phone. The family is thinking maybe her car broke down. Maybe she asked the wrong person for help. Maybe she got abducted. But obviously, you know, down bitch Kathy, down bitch Jean called the sheriff's office to file a missing persons report. And uh, they say they can't do anything until she's been missing for 72 hours. <laughs> Did you call and yell at anybody? Guess who I fucking called? Did the you? San Antonio goddamn police department. <laughs> I was joking. No, of course I fucking did. And I was like, hi, I am researching an old, an old, and I gave my whole spiel and I just wrote in bold letters in my notes, I called, this has since been changed. That's literally what my note says. The woman was like, I told her the story. She goes, the woman that I talked to was like, oh no, you can call after five minutes. Wait, the woman was like, oh no, you can call after someone's. No, you can call if someone's been missing wait, wait, for five. Wait, take it without laughing. Take it without laughing. This woman was like, oh, no, you can call if a woman is. What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to be. I need to be put out to pasture. No. <laughs> so I called the San Antonio Police Department. This lovely woman answered and she said, I told her the story. And she, I said they had to wait 72 hours. And I gave this whole diatribe to her. And I said, is that still true? And she goes, no, you can make a missing persons report if someone's been missing for five minutes. That sounds horrible. I was like, well, you did this, Louise. <laughs> so they call their family in Georgia. They call her younger sister and they said, have you spoken to yeah. her? And the sister was like, actually, I did. I called her Christmas. It was probably about 1030 Texas time. JR answered the phone. Jeannie wished him a Merry Christmas, told him she loved him and asked to speak to her sister, Patty. He put Patty on the phone, and I could tell she had been crying, and she tried to tell me she had a cold, but I knew, you know, I knew the difference, so I let it go. And so the sister is just saying that, like, they get off the phone, she knew everything wasn't okay, but Patty was trying to reassure her. But as far as we know, like, other than JR, like, the sister is the last person to talk to Patty. Yeah. So the cousins are saying to us they're going to, like, look at the car that was found on the side of the road with the flat tire, and, like, these are women who know about cars. I don't know, literally, I barely know how to get into my car, Yeah. but they could just tell by looking at the tire that it wasn't like if you get a flat tire on the road there's going to be damage to like something called a rim or a the like the metal inside of the wheel or whatever i just want you to keep going <laughs> nuts and bolts and 
Ski's gonna scurry. Well, yeah, listen, these MacGyver twins over there are like, that car, there is nothing wrong with that tire. So they test their theory. Yeah. They reinflate it and boom, the tire holds air. It is totally fine. The tire is not damaged. Do not fuck with down bitches. <laughs> they will take your bullshit stories and put a hole in it and prove you wrong every time. So it looks like the car was staged, right? So like, right. we were meant to believe that she got a flat tire and then like had to pull over on the side of the road and then who knows what happened. But it very much looked like somebody drove the car there and then deflated a tire. It's like, girl, you didn't think they were going to check that? That's some shit I would do. Yeah. Well, what should we do? Just just pull that little thing off the top. Just let the air go out. It's fine. No, no, no. It'll, it'll be flat. And I'll be like, oh, it's a flat tire. And I was like, bitch, not on Kathy no. and Jean's watch. But it is good to point out that like, due to the work of the cousins there, the police did agree to start the investigation. So then they get a horror's worth of swabs. They're swabbing the, the interior of the car. It does not take long for the CSI team to conclude what they have on their hands is much more than a woman who voluntarily left her family. The van was extremely clean, which caught our attention. Considering the vehicle carts around three children under the age of 10, this cleanliness is a red flag. They can tell that there's like blood, but there's also water. They say the car has been cleaned out. He says like, we know this is a minivan that usually carts around three disgusting little kids. Yeah. So like the fact that the minivan was spotless, like raised red flags. Yeah. Why? Why are kids so fucking gross. I love my daughter. I could give her my phone in the backseat for 10 minutes. She gives it back to me and I need to squeegee that shit to be able to see through it. Yeah. But I'm like, Daisy, you haven't even eaten anything. How are your fingers so filthy all the time that my phone is like scotch tape (laughs) when you hand it back to me? It's so gross. So yeah, the car was scrubbed. It is it is a murder van, right? Yes. This is why he didn't want to come back to meet the boss. He cleaned that van, scrubbed it top to bottom. Of course. He doesn't want to do any single thing that's going to get a fingerprint on the van. That's why he met the boss halfway and made that dude change the tire. So they continue the investigation of the two men in her life, which are Gary and JR. Gary being her current boyfriend, JR being her soon-to-be ex-husband. And they start with yeah. Gary. And I was like, really? I know. I mean, I'm not an investigator, but Gary's the one who is in love with her. They're hot and heavy. He hopped to it. Yeah. He was helping with the search. He was handing out flyers. It should be said, JR did not help on one of the searches. But then we are told that he was advised by a cop friend that if they did find her body, he didn't want to be anywhere near the crime scene, which I've never, in all of the true crime documentaries I've ever covered and the 90,000 episodes of this, I've never heard that before as an excuse. Yeah, I mean, now listen, they were divorcing, but it is someone who is still a part of your life. It is still the mother of your children. The mother of your children. You are gonna lift a finger. Of course. Like, that is either a lie or he he was terribly ill-advised. Either way, yeah. there is nothing that would ever stop me from helping if, God forbid, something ever happened to someone that I really didn't even like that much. I would go on your search party, girl. I, girl, I've said this a million times. If I meet a bad end, you're going to find the body. I have no question. <laughs> I won't be one of those people who's like, oh my God, no one's ever going to find me. Like, I will be in the trunk being like, oh, fuck. Ellen, I hope she's got those good pictures. I hope she's got, like, oh, what's Ellen going to say at my funeral after she finds my body? Like, I will have no doubt that my body will be 
be found. Oh, your eulogy is going to be lit. I, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be you and Chrissy Teigen. Just you yeah. and Jillian he, and Chrissy Teigen. You're just going to be laying there and you're just going to be like, keep opening your eyes, giggling. <laughs> you're like, oh, that was a good one, Helen. But wait, we find out that Gary, you guys, Gary, the boyfriend, eventually dies in a car accident. Yeah. They said he passed away still being a person of interest to the authorities. A what? A person of interest. <laughs> It's Sunday night, okay? We rescheduled this two times for you. No, he passed away being a person of interest. And the, the family was like, not to us, not to us. And like, it was just like, I felt like it was, the right. family was like, yeah. well, he's a person of interest to you. We believe you. Like, it was very, I felt like it was just so unnecessary to say that. Patty's family says there is no way that Gary could be involved in Patty's disappearance. We heard rumors that Patty had decided to reconcile with JR and Gary couldn't stand that, so he had decided to do away with her. Um, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy scenarios. The fact that he was with his entire family all day Christmas and into the night, way after the hour that Patty supposedly left in her van, you know, kind of blows a hole in that theory. Um, girl, I know you got out of bed today so you could talk about Friday, December 13th, 1996. I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to take this down okay. for a second. <laughs> As a disclaimer and yeah. a warning yeah. to all of our loyal OWD <laughs> listeners, this is where I lose it. <laughs> so if you want to continue with this podcast from this moment on, yeah. that is on you. Because <laughs> this is where uh, mm -hmm. my rightful thinking mind leaves my body <laughs> and I go in full on rage mode. So you could do uh, one of three things. You can stay and you can love me for my crazy. Which is what I've chosen to do for two decades. Join me. You can make a swift departure. Yeah. We still love you. Or you can turn your fucking volume down and stay for the show. Because here we fucking go. Okay? A member of their church out in Lavernia had seen Patty having lunch with Gary at a Dairy Queen. Very romantic place to have lunch and uh, went back and reported to the minister at the church that Patty was a married woman and he didn't think it was proper for a married woman to be having lunch with a man other than her husband. All right, well, I'm going to take this. Uh, <laughs> popped a Xanax just for this little bit. Someone from their church sees Gary and Patty having lunch at a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And cheeky down bitch Aunt Jean says, a very romantic place to have lunch. And I was like, Jean is in Mexico with an umbrella the size of Nebraska providing shade for all those who need it. I am here for it. I mean... Dairy Queen, not for nothing, but a blizzard would make me do some naughty things. I'm not going to lie. I've done more for less. Okay. All right. Here we go. Not about me. So then some Tammy goddamn tattletale goes back to the minister of the church and is like, you know, Patty is dating this guy, even though she's still married. And I was like, bitch, I have two questions for you. Number one, who asked you? And number two, number one. Okay. Okay. So they're at fucking 
fucking choir practice, something that you know Tammy loves. So you're right about to steal her goddamn joy right from out under her. So this minister fucking mansplains to her in front of the entire choir, publicly shaming her, publicly slut shaming her, saying that yes. she can't represent the church because of her private going ons. I found that minister online and I wrote the minister a letter. You know what it said? It said, dear minister, bitch, who asked you? Sincerely, a bitch who did not ask you. Okay? Patty was separated. I am shaking right now. Patty was separated. Stay out of her business. Okay? And then I texted the minister and I said, sir, do you have a driver's license? And he said, yes. And I said, bitch, good. Then you know how to stay in your lane. Okay? (laughs) It's none of your business who she's at the Dairy Queen with. So everyone is saying they're still technically married. And then I was like, do you know how long the average divorce takes? Do you know? Do you know? As long as it fucking takes, okay? Everyone sit down. (laughs) Bitch. Sometimes when I say that you are unhinged, it's not a put down. It's like, of course you're unhinged. Like, this is insane. This is insane. The fact that this guy felt that it was his right to go to the pastor and talk about, like, and what? Like, I mean, it's like, this is why I don't go to church, girl. This is why I don't go to church. Okay, I'm better now, but I am sweating. Ooh, it is hot up in here. So now we get JR's version of what happened on Christmas Day. Remember, JR is one of the persons of interest. Remember, JR arrived at the family home at 8 a.m. Christmas morning. His family was supposed to come over in the afternoon for dinner, but according to JR, the fighting had been happening all day long. And they're fighting over the relationship with Gary. And, you know, JR is saying that the Gary relationship is improper. He doesn't want his children seeing it. She's crying. He's yelling. They're yelling. They're fighting with each other. As the fighting between JR and Patty escalated, it became increasingly clear that hosting the Vaughn family for Christmas was not the best idea. When JR's sister Marilyn and her son showed up for dinner, JR told them Patty wasn't feeling well and asked them to take the children over to his younger sister's house for Christmas dinner. When the children left with their aunt, Patty and JR remained in the house alone. He waits for his sister to show up and says to his sister, could you take my three children and go to our other sister's house for dinner? So my question is this. Did JR's sister see Patty? Do we have eyes on Patty at this part of the day? So sister's name is Marilyn. She does a lot of questionable things and I did a lot of side googing on her and she is a shady, shady character. So totally, I'm not sure, but we do know that no one was left in the house besides Patty and JR. But this is when JR says that like after... After the kids are gone, according to JR, Patty gets so mad that she storms out of the house into the minivan and is never seen again. Right. And none of her things are recovered. The keys, the purse, all that stuff are not recovered, even though the car is. That should be noted. And and the detective is saying, like, we don't know that this is true. We have nobody who saw Patty leave. I don't know, like, how sprawling this neighborhood is. But, like, all we know is that the kids were taken away and JR and Patty were left alone and nobody saw Patty ever again. So, like, that's... That's all the setup for the fact that, like, the cops get permission from JR to search the house. Four days later, the CSI team enters Patty and JR's bedroom, one of the last places Patty was seen before she vanished. They notice several stained indentations in the linoleum floor and begin their testing with luminol, 
a chemical used to indicate the possible presence of blood. They don't get a warrant, it seems. It seems that they get permission. So JR and his sister are there while these forensic guys are like getting their whores worth of swabs out and like swabbing the bathroom where they find blood on the floor. Well, they find it with the luminol and they weren't very clear in the episode as to what luminol was. Like, I know what luminol is because I've been doing this for forever. Luminol is the thing that like you put on, like you put it in a murder room right. where they've cleaned up the blood and like you rub luminol all over the surfaces and then it, like you put a black light on it and it shines right. like Christmas morning. Right. But the whole thing that they tell us about luminol in this moment is that like, yeah, it reacts to blood, but it also reacts to bleach. Bleach being the thing that you use to clean up blood. We need a better way. <laughs> I know. How do we not have anything else that can detect blood except for the thing that also detects the thing that you use to clean up blood? I know. That's why I was so confused. How, 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 how hard can it be? We created a vaccine for the coronavirus in nine months. We can't make a chemical that can detect blood and not bleach. Blood and like it detects blood, but also the only thing that anybody ever uses to clean up blood. Am I going crazy? Have I lost my mind? No, 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 no. I mean, yes, but I am on your side. Okay. So I, I feel like you're attacking me. I'm not. I just feel like we could maybe solve more murders if we could spend the 15 minutes at MIT that it would take for two hot 18-year-olds to create a, a thing that reacts only to blood. Only to blood. Right. I feel like we could do that. Right. I feel like I really raised the stakes for the second half of this. I really feel like this is on me today. So uh, I just want to make a public apology. <laughs> I know I'm yelling, but I feel like we could have solved this. Anyway, can you tell them what Marilyn is doing while they're doing this? So this is infuriating. So Sister Marilyn is in there, like, asking a bunch of questions. She's like, what are y'all doing? What's that? Right. What are you touching? Like, she keeps incessantly <laughs> right. asking them questions. And then Officer Adrian, Investigator Adrian, who pisses me off for what reason, I'm not quite sure, is like, she was just being protective of her brother. And I was like, is she? Or is she tampering with the investigation? I know. Because if she was just being protective, like, she would have probably let them do their work and figure out who killed her if it wasn't her brother. Right. They're distracting them from the forensic work that they are meant to be doing. And so, like, the first time, they sort of deal with it, and then she comes back 20 minutes later with more questions, and they get frustrated and leave. They literally are like, we can't handle this bitch. We gotta go. Y'all losing luminol? Yeah, you know that. <laughs> What's that to tech, bleach? Uh-huh. Ain't no bleach here. I don't think there's any bleach here. <laughs> But this is the thing. Like, they find blood in the van. They find blood in the bathroom. They find blood in the master bedroom. Like, there's blood everywhere. And, like, they send the blood out for some fucking reason. It takes three months for the blood to come back. But they're able to say, like, yes, all of that blood was Patty's in the minivan, in the bathroom, in the bedroom. Yep. And it still isn't enough to make an arrest. They're saying without a body, we just don't have enough. So, like, you guys, this is kind of how the episode ends. Like, remember how we learned that they own a construction business? We get poor Patty's family chasing, like, all over the state. They're building a new elementary school. And they think that maybe they're burying her under the concrete. They go and they can't get anything conclusive. They're in another site that the construction company is buying that they're about to pour concrete in and they go and they dig that whole thing up and they find nothing. Yeah, and they had a bunch of tips. They had a tip that a body was in a septic tank and that was inconclusive. They heard something about, you know, that being involved in the construction and the down bitches follow every single possible lead Yeah, and they still have come up with nothing. So do you have an update? Have you been able to find 
find anything? So I do. So in December 2012, new DNA in Patty Vaughn's car was obtained and it was of another woman. Now, it has been believed by the family quite publicly that Marilyn had something to do with Patty's disappearance. Madeline and JR. And Marilyn is JR's sister. Right. And so, and they think it was probably a woman who helped. So Officer Ramirez, the guy who kind of pisses me off, does say this is an open case. And if you have any information in the disappearance of Patty Vaughn, you can call him directly. I'm calling him tomorrow. <laughs> Don't think that I'm not. It's Sunday, y'all. We're recording on a Sunday, so I'm calling him tomorrow. Um, his number is 210-335-6041. Or you can call the Cold Case Homicide Unit at 210-335-6034. Um, and they, it is still ongoing. There have been a couple updates as of 2017, but nothing conclusive that links anyone to the murder of Patty Vaughn. Say something funny. I would give anything for a dinner at Dairy Queen right now. <laughs> oh, I would tear a blizzard up. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, that's the end of season three, girl. We did it. Yeah, we did it. Oh my God. I'm sorry, guys, but I did warn you. So if you made it this far, congrats for you. Because I, I... Yeah, totally. Yeah, I lost it there. And hey, me. if you want more of us, join the Patreon, you guys. Here's what you get. At the $5 level, you get three full bonus episodes every month, plus our Friday Night Live as a podcast every Monday morning. And trivia. Once a month, we do trivia. We did trivia, and it went so well. It was so we got drunk. We played games. I cried a little. We had over a thousand people play trivia with us. You guys, the trivia is so fun. The way they've hooked it up so you can play at home is amazing. It's going to be even better next month. Um, At the $10 level, you get all of our regular episodes ad-free and you get to be on our best friend circle on Instagram, which is where we do extra stories and extra images and just like more video stuff about like behind the scenes and us being silly and you being our best friends. Yes, it was so fun. Our next trivia, mark your calendar is Friday, March 5th at 7 o'clock Eastern. And we record it, so if you miss it live, you can still play at home with us. Yeah, it's for everybody at the $5 level or above. It's so fun. You guys, join the Facebook group. If you're looking to find your true crime fam, your true crime best friends, join Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group on Facebook. Over 15,000 people in there. We hang out with you guys all the time. Everyone's making friends, becoming best friends. Also, follow us on Instagram, where every Friday night we go live at 6 o'clock Eastern. We call it Friday Night Live. Um, And I don't know, girl, like last week's got really heated. Sometimes that happens. You know. Usually I get hammered uh, and just make fun of you for half an hour. Yeah, it's it's honestly really, really good for my self-esteem. We love you so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You're the best. We love you, we guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. And then one time when I was an altar boy, there's this moment where like the priest is doing the, the performance on the stage and yeah. you're kneeling behind them and you are supposed to ring a bell at a certain moment. And before I knew he was garbage, I was lost in thought. This was like when I was like 13. I was lost in thought about Kirk Cameron. I was I had such a crush on Kirk Cameron that I forgot to do the little bells. And the hot priest got really mad at me. <laughs> Good story, honey. Um, just, but we <laughs> I'm just saying that like, the world is just full of all kinds of people that I'm not like. You right. Know what I'm <laughs> Remember the one with that kid that worked at the outdoor world or whatever? Because he yeah. wanted like he wanted the discount on the fishing rods. Brandon Fuchsa. Yeah. I don't need that discount, girl. I don't need it. <laughs> not now, not ever. No. So <laughs> I want you to tell me your immediate 
immediate reaction to these two 80s words. Okay. Mixtapes. I loved a mixtape. I I mean, I made mixtapes for boys I was in love with when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of Amy Grant, girl. It was a lot of Amy Grant and Peter Cetera. Gather up the campfire, children. <laughs> we didn't have Spotify playlists. You had a double-decker cassette recorder, and you recorded a mixtape onto another tape to show your love and your friendship. <laughs> Lola just said the other day, I don't have school on Monday. And I said, why? She said, President's Day. I said, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. Well, we stopped celebrating it for four years, girl. We're back. We're back. 